a lot of countries, especially like your Northern European, Western European countries, there's a culture of cohabitation. And hey, if you are okay with living with a man for three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years or whatever without being legally married, that's fine. That's just not for me. So I was very honest with myself up front about what it was that I wanted and I desired and my family values. And so like, even in Italy, I realized that there was a culture of cohabitation. You could get the family life, but typically Italians generally live with each other for about seven or so years before they legally tie the knot. And so people would just look at me really weird when I would bring a marriage And so I just realized, I was like, I'm in the wrong dating culture for me. Like, I need to maybe go somewhere where the men are a little bit more traditional, where there's more of a culture of marriage, where this type of conversation won't feel so uncomfortable or forced. And so when I came to Istanbul, I realized, like, wow, this is, like, the perfect dating culture for me. Because you have the modern, you have the traditional It's definitely a culture of marriage. And I just didn't feel strange. Welcome to Flourish in the Foreign, an award-winning podcast that celebrates, elevates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad while exploring living abroad as a pathway to wellness. I'm your host, Christine Job a Black American woman with Trinidadian roots, podcaster, business strategist, and entrepreneur based in Valencia, Spain. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Flourish in the Foreign. I'm Christine, and I'm so happy you have chosen to spend some time with me and the podcast Thank you very much. All right, so I have heard your pleas and your cries <laughs> and your your interest, and I have decided to do a Build a Business Abroad Mastermind. Yes, a little bit different from the group coaching. As I said previously, I've been retooling the group coaching program, and I've decided in the interim, let's just go ahead and do an eight-week mastermind live video sessions with me and everyone else who signs up. Although I will be keeping the cohort cozy because I think that's really helpful. So build a business abroad mastermind eight weeks starting in July. Okay. Eight weeks. We're going to have two major focuses of this mastermind. One visibility, because a lot of y'all are afraid to step into your greatness A lot of y'all are afraid to be successful. A lot of y'all are afraid to make money. So we're going to work on that. And the second thing, we're going to create a sales system for you, which is to say, we're going to create a step-by-step plan and execute that plan of sustainable sales system for your business. That's what we're going to do. You know, Black Friday is coming up (laughs) and all that jazz but also just for the sustainability of your business. It's so important to have steps in place that can be repeatable, right? So that the business is viable, sustainable, and impactful 
while employing soft life principles, right? So that's how we do soft life in business is that we build systems, not so that we can set and forget it because we still got to manage it, but basically we can set it and forget it. Okay, this mastermind for eight weeks is going to be 1500 USD. Please sign up as soon as possible because I'm really excited about this. I know that at the end of these eight weeks, your business is going to be a completely different place than it was before, especially or perhaps only if you do all of the things that I tell y'all to do. Now, every week we're going to meet, we're going to chat, and I'm going to give you homework. You're going to feel like you're not ready. You're going to do it anyway, and you're going to have a beautiful business at the end of this eight weeks if you listen to me, okay? That's what we're going to do. So do not delay. Join my master class. We're going to kick off in July If you want more information, the link is in the description of this episode. It's on the website. It's in your email. It's everywhere. Okay, let's do this right. Let's get it done. No more excuses. And for those of you that might be wondering, am I going to do another mastermind this year? Am I going to do another group coaching this year? To be completely honest, I don't know. I don't know. I know I tell y'all this a lot, but I have a lot of things going on. So like, I, I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to get myself situated and again, employ soft life principles. And I have a lot of other things going on. So we will see. We will see. But what I will tell you is that don't bet on me doing it again this year. I wouldn't do that. If you are serious about getting this business to where it needs to be, which is making money, let's work because time is just a ticking away. And I'm not sure what you're waiting for because you're never going to feel ready and it's never going to be the right time. But this is the time for you to actually make a difference in your life. You are the ones you've been waiting for. And I'm just here to hold you accountable Okay, that's what I'm here for. All right, I look forward to seeing you all in the mastermind. All right, on to the next episode. Season four, episode 18. Today's episode is the second live dating abroad panel I did back in March 2022. It features Candace and Claire. You may know Candace because she is a past podcast guest. You can check out her episode, season two, episode five. Claire is just an amazing, like adventurous wonder woman. Um, and you will soon hear about everything that she does. This panel was so interesting. And as I said before, it was a continuation of the Dating Abroad panel series that I did back in 2022. It's so interesting, though, because these two ladies obviously have completely different experiences than the previous panel's guests. 
So I think you guys will very much enjoy these perspectives. And if you'd like to watch the video, you can go to Flourish in the Foreign on YouTube and watch that. While you're there, make sure you're subscribed and the notifications are put on because you never know when I might drop a video. Hmm. Also, help us get to 1,000 subscribers because... Maybe once we get to 1,000 subscribers, I will bring back the live panels that I used to do, which is so great. We'll see. All right. Without further ado, the second live dating abroad panel. Today, we have a really great panel. It's the second of the series, Dating Abroad. And so let me go ahead and bring my panelists on and let's get started because I, I have a lot of good questions for this. All right, let's kick it off with, let's kind of go around and have everyone introduce yourselves. Candice, why don't you start? Introduce yourself. Hey everybody, my name is Candice Smith, also known as Candice Smith Adewale author of The Black Girl's Guide to Being Blissfully Feminine and The Black Girl's Guide to Living, Loving, and Traveling Abroad. I've lived abroad now outside of the United States for going on five years. And I'm so happy about that. I currently live in Istanbul, Turkey, and I'm very, very passionate about helping people, particularly women, advance their global lifestyles. Love that. Claire, tell us about yourself. I'm Claire. I I have been back and forth. I feel like I'm a global citizen. So I I balance my time between the U.S. and many other countries. I last month was in Sri Lanka, which was my hundredth country. I've covered every continent. I checked off my last one of Antarctica in 2015. But besides the quick travels, I've had many slow travels over several months to a year all over the globe. And and even in Sri Lanka was there for a few months before returning to the U.S. for a little bit. So yeah, I've had a, a lot of experience all over and I have many different roles. I'm, I'm a mother of two. I have two adult children. One is a professional runner for Nike and the other is a, about to graduate from University of Florida. And then I'm also a physician, a photographer and a drone pilot too. <laughs> Dang, Claire, you're just doing it. Yes. I, I mean, <laughs> look, people, if you thought that this panel was like, well, I don't know what y'all thought it was going to be, but look at the quality of the panelists here, okay? <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Flourishing the floor, and that's what we're talking about here. Wonderful ladies. Okay, so my next question, and we have someone already here shouting you out, Candace. Hey, Angela. Okay. Hi, how are you? And be sure if you're watching, you can go ahead and put in the comments, any questions, any thoughts that you have as we uh, start chatting. All right. Okay. Oh, and for those of you that don't know, I'm Christine and I live in Spain. I've lived in Spain for the past five years. I currently live in Valencia, which is a new city for me. It has been rainy here, like London. So I'm like, I didn't sign up for that. I have not signed up for that for the past two weeks, but it's been lovely. Okay. Let's just get into it. I would love for you both to tell me what your dating lives were like in your home country before you moved abroad or before you were extensively traveling. Like, or like, what is, what is that scene like? What were your experiences like? I started out the, the traditional, I feel like I've lived a thousand lives. So I've had the previous, I was 
married for many years, raised two children, uh, divorced. He and my ex-husband actually were a close family unit. He actually took his first assignment. He is in working in Saudi Arabia as uh, from the U.S., but working in Saudi Arabia as a landscape architect for the Red Sea Development Project. But I had the tra- traditional experience. And I, I think that actually the interesting thing, Candace, is the first time I tried dating abroad, it was in Istanbul. <laughs> like, really? um, it, it, yeah, good experience. But yeah, it was it's so I went that traditional route and then some dating in the US and then some dating abroad too. Okay. And Candace, how would you describe your 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 dating life in the US before you went abroad? I think similarly Claire, I was also married for a while and then I kind of took a hiatus and then I started date uh started considering dating. And so my dating life really in the States was really non-existent. Really. It just wasn't really meeting the types of men that I really wanted to meet. It wasn't really getting asked on a lot of dates. And it was actually just really quite sad. It was, it was pathetic. We'll just put it like that. Very (laughs) pathetic. And I think I didn't realize how bad it was until I started traveling abroad. And that was, yeah, that was, I think that was like the eye opener. And one of the main reasons why I moved abroad was to prioritize my romantic life and my social life. Oh, okay. We're going to get into that because I feel like a lot of, not, let me not say a lot of people, I guess the people that sometimes come into my DMs, which is not maybe a lot of people, maybe that's not like a huge part of the sable size of Flourish the Forum, but there are definitely a lot of people who are thinking or considering about moving abroad because they are seeking partnership and it is part of maybe their top priorities. And so we'll definitely talk about that. But I want to talk about what it was like your first time dating abroad, meaning the first time you downloaded a Tinder abroad and you swiped and you went on a date or what have you, however it happened. What was that experience like and where were you? And Candace, let's kick it off. When I first started dating abroad, I was actually in Paris, France. I had actually taken a sabbatical in Spain. So I was bouncing between Madrid and Barcelona. And then I went to Paris. And so I was like, my friend had joined me in Paris. And I was like, girl, you know, like, let's go on some dates. Because we were meeting men organically in the streets, which rarely happens in the States. Like men were just like, oh, wow, you look so beautiful. Would you like to go out to dinner? And I'm just like, is this man literally asking me for my number on a day? Like, is this like, you know, like the real life stuff that you wish mm-hmm. would happen in the States. Very different. On a regular mm-hmm. basis over there. So it was kind of like a surreal experience. And so the first thing I noticed was just how many men had swiped on my picture, on my profile, on the downloading, on the dating apps. And I actually asked at one point, I said, is this even normal? Because I have like 8,000 men that just swiped on me and I've only been on the dating app for like, you know, a couple of, you know, like, like a day or so, like 24 hours. And so just getting asked out on like the, the number of men, I think that was very overwhelming and also very exciting for me because all of a sudden I had all these choices and that felt really amazing for me. So I was able to really, you know, go through the process of, of having my choice, going out, and, and just having some really nice dates. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And Claire? 
I'm going to give you, I'll give you, especially Candace, since you're in Istanbul, I'll give you a very specific example. I'm going to give everyone a disclaimer that do not do necessarily, it, it had a really good outcome, but don't necessarily do what I did because it could have a bad outcome, but it was a great date. It was great. Anyway, so I, I was in Istanbul. I was actually on my way to Bangladesh to work in the Rohingya refugee camp. So it was, I was kind of like in my mindset, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to, you know, do nonprofit work and and, in that mindset. But on the other side, on the other side, I was curious, like, Hmm, I wonder what it's like around here. You know, So so I'm I'm in Istanbul. I load up the app and and Tinder just seems to be the one that's more, you know, it's more used globally. I have tried Bumble a little bit, but it's just like a tiny cohort compared to compared to Tinder. So anyway, I'm going through a few and, and if you have your initial challenges of, well, you know, English is my primary language. So we're going to have to be able to connect on that. You know, so I'm going through a few and just seeing who could, you know, who's communicating. And this, this professor came up and I was communicating back and forth. And I said, I was only in town for a few days. And he's like, Oh, have you ever been to Istanbul? And I said, no, I haven't. And so and he was about an hour away. I don't know what city, but he was about an hour away. And he said, again, I do not recommend, I was using my intuition, but anyway, he said, I'll, I'll come, I'll pick you up. I'll give you a tour of Istanbul, you know, otherwise I, and I was staying near the airport. So normally I have never done it before. I would meet, you know, I would be in a city and I would meet there definitely on my own, leave on my own, all of that. But so, but initially he said that, and at first I can't. I said, no, no, I can't do this. And I literally said to him, I might get murdered. Like you could murder me. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Believe me, I was going through the thought process in my head. If I have to like push the door open and roll out, you know, at some point, but but he did, he drove in an hour. I I just like to tell the story because it's, it has a great outcome. He drove in an hour away. He picked me up in, in the lobby we went downtown. We dined on the Bosphorus. We, oh, we went to one of the rooftop cafes. So, okay, oh, you know, right. there's a lot of rooftop yes. cafes there. Mm-hmm. I had just watched the Bourdain. I always try to watch Bourdain before I go to a new city. I had just watched that on how after you drink the Turkish coffee, they turn it upside down and, and read your fortune. Yes. So, yes. So he grew up like that. So he had, he, after we had, we had dinner on the Bosphorus and then we, and then we turned, yeah, we went to a rooftop cafe, turned upside down. He read my fortune. We had, and then he's like, Oh, we have the best baklava. And so we had the best baklava anyway. So then he drove me back and believe me, I was ready to, like throw up, you know, <laughs> throw up my tooth. Right. But we roll up to the lobby. He gives me like this gentle tap, hug, you know, side hug. And then I get out of the car and that's it. And and it was just, it was this really nice, wonderful date. He didn't expect yeah. anything else. I didn't have to be highly defensive. And and we actually on Facebook, this was several years ago. We're still Facebook friends. It's wow. Yeah, that was, is was, incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. I'm going to piggyback off what Clara said because the one thing that I've noticed since I've been dating abroad 
is the quality of dates that I've gotten. Like that mm. type of, those types of dates. Like I went to Italy. So after I left Spain, I went to Rome. It was supposed to be a 10 day, you know, just a 10 day vacation. I turned to my friend. I'm like, I'm moving here. So we had been dating while we were there. But, you know, ever when I was in Italy, the types of dates that I would get, I mean, being taken to Michelin star restaurant, mm. Um, being picked up, the chivalry. I, I think a lot of men in the, those regions, they understand how to romance a woman. They understand the mm-hmm. romance and they give you that. That's part of the courtship and dating process. And for me, it's very, it's fun. And it's it's just a beautiful process for me experiencing that, having experienced that. I remember one guy, he picked me up. We go to the restaurant and I walk in and I'm just like, there's nobody else in the restaurant like what's going on this man had literally had the restaurant closed down just what yes wow we had the chef come out bring our food i got to talk to the chef and i was it was just such a surreal experience because i'm like this was a first date and he went i mean all Mm. out and it was really amazing and so i find that happens a lot you know like sometimes when i tell other women back in the states like they're like struggling to get guys to even like pay for them at I don't know red lobster and I'm just like these guys are <laughs> they you know? I call it tinder travel like I I feel like can it's the same like I I've they've tor- they've turned into these nice tours again I was barely in Istanbul but I got such I got such a great experience being there and I had one in Tokyo like that and then I had I was finishing traveling by myself during the the cherry blossom bloom one year and at date he offered, you know, I'll pick you up at the train, which, you know, Japan, the train system is wild. So I'll pick you up at the train. We'll go down, you know, the Shimbuya, the largest intersection. We were down by the largest intersection, you know, in, in the world went to this very like intimate, they call it, I, they call it piss alley, but the, those the, the intimate dining that it's right in Tokyo. I mean, these experiences that I could not have gotten on my own that quickly, and that have been some of the greatest dates of my life. Absolutely. This is incredible, ladies, and I just want to reiterate to everyone the disclaimer that Claire gave: y'all don't get into like cars with no. strangers. Okay? No, no, don't do yeah, that. that was- <laughs> That was an exception. There, that was an exception. Always been meeting up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want y'all to be like, well, I saw a flash of. No, don't get no, in a car with stranger. No, don't do it. Yeah. You know, in so, the times that I have done that, I grab my phone, my camera phone, and I quickly like take a picture of their tags while they're not looking, and then I would send it to like a couple of people. <laughs> that's very good. That's yeah. smart. That is smart. Okay, ladies, we actually have a question which. Actually, it was actually part of my question. So Miss Vice says, I think I would be concerned about being a fetish. And this is something I actually kind of explore in season two of the podcast, which launches on Monday, everyone. Hooray. Yay. Yes. And really talking about how my guests feel, if it how they feel with fetishism, exoticism, and desirability. And so I actually want to kind of approach it from that point of view. I guess the first thing I want to ask ask you both is, let me put this away. Maybe I can't. Okay, here we go. Is let's first talk about desirability. Do, did you feel desirable in your home country? 
And how do you feel desirable abroad? Is there a difference? Is it a, a tangible, emotional, I don't know, energetic difference of desirability? Is that even important to you? I would love to tackle that question because that's, I get asked that question a lot about fetish and I have like a lot, a lot to say about that topic. I think as far as desirability, I did not feel, feel desirable in the States. And I don't think that I, it really hit me as to how much of, what's the word I'm looking for, how low on the totem pole I was until I left the States. Just doing things, like doing something as simple as going to a salsa club in the States. I don't care whether it was like wherever I would go, barely being asked for, for a dance to, you know, going to a club, a Kizumba club or a salsa club in Paris or Barcelona or like here in Turkey where, I mean, I have men literally lined up to dance with me. I think for a lot of Black women, a lot of Black women are apprehensive about being fetishized. And I can understand where that's coming from to a point, from a historical point of view. But what I also don't think that Black women understand is like they're, they've already been fetishized and highly sexualized in our own in our own communities from the hip hop videos, the music. I mean, you can't listen to one single song without hearing something about somebody's big butt. I mean, Black women are fetishized already for their big butts, their body shapes within our own community. And so then when you go someplace else to another ecosystem and you have a man tell you, wow, you're a beautiful woman, not you're a beautiful Black woman, not you're a beautiful, you are just, wow, you're a beautiful woman. You're alluring. I want, I love your skin color. Your skin color is so rich. It's so, and you don't, you're not used to hearing these things about yourself. And so you automatically have this this view that they have some ulterior motive or there's something wrong with that when in fact you are a beautiful woman and your skin is rich and your skin is beautiful and all of these other things but here it is someone that doesn't look like you is telling you those things and so you somehow maybe subconsciously think that it's bad so I think a lot of that is going on and I had to unpack a lot of those things along the way. I mean, you know, I, I did. I had to work through some of those things, but I th- I felt it very refreshing because from being told almost my entire life that I was too dark skinned or I was pretty for a black girl or all of these things, including having those things said to me by people who look like me, and then going someplace where people just look at me and just like, wow, you're gorgeous. I mean, both men and women, it was just refreshing to feel that sort of appreciation for my brand of beauty. And it was, it was very refreshing to feel like a woman and feel desired because I think on a very innate level, most women want to feel desired and feel beautiful. And so I've learned to just accept that and accept myself and receive those compliments in the goodness in which they, they have been brought to me. So that's, Kind of like my, that's why I always say when people ask me about the fetish question. Okay, Claire. That's a great answer. I don't even think I could really add anything significantly more to that. But I do, I notice my just big thing is if I notice it in the communication, if it seems like it's some kind of, you know, direct or, or just the, in the manner that they're communicating 
then I get a feel of like, no, this isn't someone I, I would like to meet. But but in general, I mean, absolutely what Candace said, it's just this appreciation for for beauty. And it has, you know, that isn't as much seen in the U.S. And the, that feeling of dating in the U.S. and being an option, like one of many, you know, right. that you don't feel dating globally. It's, it, yeah. I want to piggyback up on what Claire said, because I agree with you, Claire. I think the energy of being fetishized is completely different from the energy of a man genuinely desiring you and just finding you attractive because of your uniqueness or because he just feels very deeply attracted to you. And I think also, too, I think we have to understand that there are some people out there that enjoy being fetishized. And... If you're one of those people that you enjoy being fetishized, I mean, there are a variety of fetishes. So, I mean, if you're one of those people that you enjoy being fetishized, and that's one thing, but if you don't enjoy being fetishized and it makes you feel uncomfortable or dirty or anything like, anything like that, I think if you're deeply in tune with your own intuition, if you are, if you are vetting while you're dating, if you understand what your dating standards are, you're going to recognize that man that's truly trying to fetishize you. If he's constantly like all he can talk about is, you know, you being black or if all he can talk about when you're being intimate is, you know, you being black. Well, then that's obviously a pr problem if you don't enjoy that. But I think women need to let black women need to let that go and trust their inner feelings and understand like if this man is showing up, if he has met your standards, if he's being consistent, if he's being gentle and loving and he just truly thinks you're a beautiful woman, then you're nine times out of 10, you're not being fetishized. Mm -hmm. mm. And I feel like it's more, I had to think of the word nationalized or Americanized. I, that's the more often the intrigue is, Ooh, you're American, you know, <laughs> and, and <laughs> like because right. we, are, I mean, we are we're different. We have like this, our personalities, you know, and people see a lot from social media that can be either positive or negative, or you know, accurate or, or inaccurate. But that's where I feel it more of like they're like, oh, where are you from? The U.S. Oh, the U.S. You know, <laughs> and, and it's a it's a it's a positive intrigue. I wonder, as I as I was listening to both of you speak, I was wondering if the fear of being fetishized is kind of like a trauma response to kind of growing up and and living in the United States, in which Black women are hypersexualized from a very very young age as little girls, and maybe that's like the feeling of like I don't want to have the same experience. I don't want someone to try me or whatever like like right. you're like some kind like this is costco like this is not costco right. sir <laughs> you know and i wonder if it's like that kind of trauma response i'm not a psychologist or anything so if anyone is a psychologist in the who's watching please feel free to jump in i'm just i'm just spitballing here but we actually have some comments on that and i have some more questions again hello everyone who is just joining us this is flourish in the foreign on youtube Season two of the podcast launches on Monday, where we'll be talking about Black transnational migration, motherhood abroad, dating abroad, breaking up abroad, which sucks, but happens, <laughs> and, and so many more things. Today, we're talking about dating abroad. This is the second panel on the subject. And let us get into some of these quest or questions, comments. Let's see. Did I do that right? 
Hollywood Cole says, exactly. The fetishization argument is so tired. Black women will put up with all types of derogatory foolishness from black men on a regular basis. Well, okay. <laughs> That's an opinion. <laughs> Let me sip my tea. <laughs> and you know, Hollywood calls on a roll. And let's not even get let's not even start with being called a B-I-T-C-H or all types of stuff. If you don't respond to some cat calling, mm, that is that's I mean, that's a conversation to be had in and of itself. Okay. I want to talk about a subject that I really love, which is softness. I love talking about softness in the context of Black women, especially abroad, because some Black women find that their experiences abroad have allowed them to be soft in, in whatever way that means, too. This is not just like pink fluffy clouds. Like this is whatever it means for you, right? If that means vulnerability, if that means openness, if that means a different expression of your femininity or womanhood, what have you. But I would love for you guys to maybe reflect upon if you feel a difference in that softness in dating abroad, do you feel that way? Do you feel more on, on guard? Do you feel like you can express yourself in a more open and gentler way if you're abroad? Anyone? I think so. I think that was one of the biggest things that I loved about living in Italy in particular is that I could be woman first and I could be totally soft. And also my daughter too, because I'm also a mom and I have, I've traveled all over with my daughter and she, we, she was with me in Italy. And even when I look at our pictures and just seeing us walk down the street or seeing her walk down the street in her dress you know, she's ordering a cappuccino or doing something and just being able to have that softness preserved because we could relax. We felt very safe. We felt, you know, I'll never forget. This was like probably within the first week or two of me getting go, being in Rome and I was going into a store and this Italian man, right. I was, oh, we were entering the store at the same time. And he tells his son, get that door for that woman. And it echoed through my mind. It was like a surreal mo moment. I was like, he said, that woman, that woman, not that black, that woman. Like he felt like he needed to be like that with me. And it, it just was really like, wow. And, uh, you know, even being here in Turkey, the one thing I mean, people say certain things about Turkish men. I personally think Turkish men are very helpful. They are so helpful. And for me, when they see when they will come to your they, your aid, so that has allowed me a lot to just really like kind of like sit mm -hmm. back and just really relax. Even with my you know my my male friends and things like that, they really stepped up to help me when I need help. So I think that it has allowed me to be vulnerable, to learn how to trust men to a certain extent. Whereas before, I kind of had a lot of apprehensions and distrust and just see myself as a soft, beautiful woman worthy of this type of treatment. And for me, I, I like global dating because it, I don't have the same identity that I have in the U S and I just being in Congress. If I date like in central Florida is where I was based for a long time. Everything is always, you know, where did you go to school or where did you, you know, or, you know, this or that. And there's always these attachments to 
where you know I am, or I've been back for my father. I've been back in the Midwest for a few weeks, and and then those also have identities. It's where I went to med school and where I grew up and all of that. But when I when I am in Europe or in Asia, I'm just me. You know, I am just this being that you get to you know know about, learn about, and and there's no. I, I don't, they, I don't, they just get to know me for me and it's not all the attachments or the titles or the identities. So there is this like ease of, of vulnerability and just getting to know the human being that I am organically more. It feels more organic. Okay. I agree with, I agree with Claire. I can, that resonates with me so deeply because I feel like I, people get to see me for the person that I am and embrace my humanity. And I think as that has happened, I've embraced my own humanity. So I, de- I totally detach from a lot of boxes that I used to have to be in, in the States. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not in a box. I'm just Candace over here and mm-hmm. people get to know me and are genuinely interested in me. So right. that feels really good. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. And if you are, be sure to support this podcast by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flourishforeign and buying me a coffee. You can also write a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and anywhere else you listen to the show. Thank you so much for listening and supporting. Now, back to the episode. All right, ladies, I want to ask, this is something I asked in our first panel, which is please, I mean, if you want to, because again, you don't have to, but please tell us your best or favorite date you've had abroad like your best one or your favorite or or maybe a funny one if it was just like ridiculous. What what was that date? Well, and set the scene for us. What happened? You want to go first, Claire? <laughs> oh, goodness. Let me see. Where do I? <laughs> well, I had actually, I just thought of one. I, I worked on unique dates. Okay, so I worked on the island of Saipan, which is U.S. It's near Guam. So I was working clinically on the island and very hard. I'll tell you the funny thing is very, very hard dating. I even had some dates. I would set it to to Guam and they would actually literally have to fly over, spend the night somewhere else and, and to have a date at all. But there were a lot of young pilots that were on Saipan. So one of my, so they would go there to get a lot of hours. They'd fly back and forth to a lot of islands and and get a lot of hours in. So one day took me at sunset and I have the photos. Oh, so incredible. Took me at sunset around the island. So I flew again, maybe you don't want to, uh, (laughs) <laughs> my story right. <laughs> getting in cars and planes with strangers no um <laughs> but here i am I'm so um but i yeah we did this beautiful and it's a i don't know how large the island but the population is only 50,000 so it's a small island 
And it was just incredible, just flying around, seeing a perspective I hadn't seen before, and the beautiful cliffs, and landing and, and having dinner at one of the hotels for sunset was just, yeah, unbelievable. That's the, the I think, some, one of the most amazing things is that things that you don't think, leaving, you know, not only leaving your home country, going to another, and then adding dating on top of it, you're going to have experiences you never imagined in life. Absolutely. I agree with that. I'm trying to think what my favorite date was. Hmm. I feel like I've had so many of them. That's amazing. That's what I like to hear. There's been so many wonderful dates. I can't choose one. (laughs) I know. I mean, there's been so many dates. I mean, the one I told you all initially about that were he shut down the restaurant. That was, that was up there. That's Um, pretty amazing. That's pretty hard to beat. I mean, Mm -hmm. you shut down a restaurant. That's like, all right. Like, right. But I mean, I've had lots of of lovely dates, like picnics and, you know, been taken to like the, they have the island over here. um, Oh my goodness. The princess islands over here in Istanbul, you know, for like a day, a day trip, a day date and everything. And I think, for me, a lot of it's like the effort like that people put in on the dates that makes the dates like really special flowers, like things like that. Like I received bouquets of beautiful bouquets of flowers, like little touches. Those are very beautiful and memorable in my mind. But I think that that probably t- that probably tops the charts, I think. And then like my current honey bunny he, <laughs> you know, like he always puts in a lot of effort. Like he, he travels to come see me. And I really appreciate that about him. Okay. So you both are mothers. Let's talk about dating as a mother. I mean, you're a mother, you're a woman, you're a whole person, but you do have some considerations. You know, I think Candace, your daughter is 15, 16 or yes. no. Yes, okay. And Claire, your your children are adults, but I think still it's some sort of consideration or maybe not. You guys tell me because I don't have any kids. How is it dating and, and being a mother? Claire, do you want to jump off? Sure. Currently, it's not it's it doesn't really come in you know to play as much. I I will I'll, I'll mention my dating life a little bit with my adult children at their 22, 23 but it doesn't, yeah, really come into play that much. When they were a little younger, I would say, well, if it were, yeah, I, I would always try to wait a little while, um, you know, see how things were going before I- introducing. But they've even had some, because of dating, like they've had some really great experiences. I worked on a few islands and was dating there. And, would, you know, so we'd fly around to the different islands and, um, so, yeah, I, I think in, in general, though, just as a mom, no matter how old, like, just knowing that that connection is important. So having your, you know, we, we get so involved and I've been crazy involved with my children their whole lives. But but to know that you also need that aspect for yourself, you need that that dating, you know, for yourself. It just it, it really just it's it's good for your well-being. And. I wanted to mention too that even with the traveling and even using Tinder or, or living abroad, living using Tinder, you can even if it's not romantic, it's a great way to learn a city. 
you can learn some, just even meeting up with someone for coffee or, you know, lunch that you learn a new area, you start talking about, you know, you're in this area of the country and they mention, oh, you have to visit here and visit there. And I have learned so much about a country just from even doing minimal dates with that may have had no romance involved, but it's just an excellent way to connect to others, um, whether they are you know, local to the country or they're also traveling too. It, it's just an excellent way to connect. I love subject. <laughs> and Candace? Yeah, I can definitely chime in on that. I think for me, I have kind of realized what it is that I was really looking for during the process. So, you know, my daughter is a, a little older and the men that I'm normally dating are between the ages of like 40 or was dating was between the ages of like 40 and maybe like 55 years old. One of the issues that I had dating in Italy was that so many of the men in that age range had not been married or had any children. And I just find that men, when they get to that age and they have not had a wife or children, one, there's a certain level of selfishness that has set in. That's, you know, not necessarily good or bad, but it's just not for me because I do have a child. And when you have someone that the only thing that they've had to consider all of this time was themselves, it's just really, I don't know, strange for me. And I don't want to have to navigate, be someone or be someone's first rodeo, you know, like I want <laughs> when it comes to that. So I realized like, okay, I really would prefer to date a divorced dad, really and truly. When I came to Istanbul, I think one of the things that I noticed was that, you know, there was a population of divorced dads, not so much because the divorce rate in Turkey is not as high as like the United States. However, you know, most men, you know, have been married have a child. So they have that experience under their belts. They're very paternal. So me having a child is not like this thing. Like that's what I've noticed. It's not that this big thing or big deal. And obviously, you know, those are some of the, the things that I have to consider, but also just considering like what, you know, just doing the proper vetting and, you know, just taking the time to see what kind of person they are, what their values are, how things would work if we were to, you know, become serious and have to blend our families and things like that. But I think actually dating, you know, just I've always told my my daughter, like, I would like to be in another relationship. I would like to get married again. And she's always been on board with that because I am more traditional in my thinking when it comes to family life and things like that. So I kind of always groomed her to, you know, be accepting of me having another relationship. She's at the age where she can stay home by herself like while I go on dates, which that does help. I know women who might have children that are younger, you know, you might have to get a babysitter or something like that, or like a nanny when you go, go out for dates. So that's something that you have to consider an extra expense that you have to consider when you're dating. The one thing that I do notice here in this particular culture is that Turkish men are very, like, if you say you have a child, they're very open. They're like, okay, well, if, if we, our relationship becomes serious, you know, please understand, I will help take care of your child. 
I'll help, you know, with ever with everything and your child will be like my child. Like I've heard that many times. And and I understand a lot of that has to do with the Islamic influence in the culture of, you know, some of the tenets and teachings of taking on, you know, a wife and children. So one thing I can say is like dating here has been a great environment for me because these men are just naturally groomed to be more traditional. And Mm. so I really like that. So I've had, I think in that regards, I've had definitely a more pleasant experience with dating and being a single mom. And I know a lot of women, they're just like, wow, you're so brave to, you know, be with your daughter. And they ask me how it is dating as a single mom, but I've had a, a pleasant experience. Hmm. Okay. You mentioned something that is going to be the next question, but let's get to this comment right here. Oh, did I do it? By Angela. Yes, I can be more soft, feminine, and bougie abroad. Love that. Love the bougie. Currently in Paris and love it. Thank you so much for tuning in, Angela. And thank you so much for your comment. So my next question to you both is when you think about the values, the characteristics that you're looking for in a long-term partnership, how have you navigated that abroad? So have you been in places where you're like, this does not line up to what I'm looking for? And you've just been like, I'll date for fun, but this is not what I'm looking for. Have you been in in certain environments that were kind of lockstep with what you're looking for? And I guess, you know, especially for the audience, how do you find that? Or even deeper, like, how do you find your values that you're looking for in partnership? Because in my opinion, I feel like people make lists of things, but they don't know their own values or the the things that they're, I guess, the true core of what they're looking for. And that's just my opinion. Y'all can fight me if you want to, but I read the comments in, you know, the gossip places on on Instagram and people are interesting, I'll say. <laughs> so, <laughs> so ladies, when we're thinking about, you know, partnership, values, how have you been able to identify that for yourself? And how have you navigated that abroad? Who wants to go first? I would I love for, You can go oh, ahead. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. Um, Your answers have been wonderful. I love listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what? it's very interesting because I think women need to first be very honest about where they are in their lives. Are you looking for a serious relationship? Are you marriage minded? Are you just wanting to have fun right now? Or do you want to partner, but you don't necessarily care about marriage? I think all of those things are very important to understand first. Like for myself, I knew from the get-go, I wanted a very serious relationship that would one day lead to marriage. I was very, that's what I want. And I was not ashamed to want that. So as I was dating and going out there, Paris, you know, Barcelona, Madrid, here, here, Germany, all these places... I started realizing that every place has its own dating culture and every country has its own values. A lot of countries, especially like your Northern European, Western European countries, there's a culture of cohabitation. And hey, if you are okay with living with a man for three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years or whatever without being legally married, that's fine. That's just not for me. So I was very honest with myself up front about 
what it was that I wanted and I desired and my family values. And so like, even in Italy, I realized that there was a culture of cohabitation. You could get the family life, but typically Italians generally live with each other for about seven or so years before they legally tie the knot. And so people would just look at me really weird when I would bring a marriage And so I just realized, I was like, I'm in the wrong dating culture for me. Like, I need to maybe go somewhere where the men are a little bit more traditional, where there's more of a culture of marriage, where this type of conversation won't feel so uncomfortable or forced. And so when I came to Istanbul, I realized, like, wow, this is, like, the perfect dating culture for me. Because you have the modern, you have the traditional it's definitely a culture of marriage. And I just didn't feel strange. So I think women need to understand that every place has its own dating culture and make sure that you're in the right environment for you. Because what I find is, is I find a lot of women are in places and then they're complaining about the men. Like, oh, the men are horrible or this, this and that. And it's not really that the men are horrible. It's just that there's a conflict in culture and values and you're in the wrong place for you. And I think really getting honest, like you said, doing some soul searching about what it is that you want. What are your dating standards? Oh, how do you envision your future relationship looking like so that when you're in that environment, you can quickly vet the men. You can quickly ask like those questions to weed the men out that are not going to be in alignment with what you what you really want and then kind of move forward. So that's kind of what I have done for myself and what has worked for me. And and yeah, and that's that, I think that's what I really have to say for women in regards to that topic. And I, for me, it's more, it's a, it is a consideration of, of course, the, the values and, and really that no matter where I am in the world, that part doesn't change. And I always put, I have a list and kind is number one, you know, and that takes a while even to just assess whether or not someone, they're always on their best behavior in the beginning, but are you kind, you know, inherently kind, adventurous, you know, I I read something once, are you interesting and interested? Are you an interested, interesting person? Are you interested in my life? You know, two key things. But for me, it's been a lot of logistics. I would like to eventually remarry and but I have I I'm do more slow travel versus living abroad so I am partly in the U.S. I'm an only child my father's in the Midwest you know one child in Oregon one child in Florida and then I spend and I work remotely so that part isn't a challenge but then I spend you know some stretches of time abroad but the bigger thing is being able to envision how this will all look down the road. So if you're in a particular country and you, you know, one, you meet someone local, is this somewhere that you can live for an extended period of time? You know, is this realistic to you going back? And even me, I've been places where I thought, well, this is just too far for me, you know, to, especially, I, cause I was last in South Asia, you know, or in even Southeast Asia, like that's, it's a lot to get back. If you need to get back to the mainland, you know, us on a regular basis for me, 
Central America is, you know, more, more realistic, but that's a logistic thing. And then especially if you meet, I have met as expat or other travelers and, you know, that are in certain countries, they could be in, in Scandinavia or something. And I think I can't live there. Like I, you know, there's just, so there's a, a lot of logistics. So I have had to, even though I, I feel like I have the same long-term values and goals of finding someone kind and, you know, interesting and adventurous, but there's logistics behind that because I, there are places in the world that I just can't envision myself living for vast majority of the year. So in the meantime, I do, you know, I can have, again, that's why I like to call it Tinder travel because you can just meet up with someone for coffee, hear about, especially if they've been traveling. When I was in Sri Lanka, it was like, Oh, you know, you're in, like, I was in Weligama near the beach and like, oh, I went to Ella for two weeks in the mountains. Like, what did you do? You know, and then just finding out things and where did you stay? And so there's a lot that you can do with light dating and travel, even though it's not directed toward your big goal. There's, you know, in between, and then you never know what, where you're going to connect with someone who actually you can realistically see that this can go further than you imagine. I want yeah. to kind of back off of what she said, because I think making sure you have a good lifestyle match is really important too, because I dated someone who, you know, lived outside of the country for X amount of months out of the year. And it was like in a climate that was not desirable for me, like very super duper cold. Like you said, like Scandinavia. And I was like, y'all, I left Cleveland because I didn't want to be cold. So like, why would I do this to myself on purpose? Like it's just, I just can't. So I think thinking about like, is there like a lifestyle match? Do you all really see eye to eye? Like, are you on the same page as to how you want to live your life? Because what I found, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you're from. All of those, like, I guess, novelties kind of wear off and it really gets down to like, what type of relationship are you going to have and what's the basis of that relationship? And so you really have to think about those fundamentals, even as you navigate dating abroad. Okay, we're, we're coming close to the end of our time, but I have a question, maybe it's superficial. I don't know. Y'all tell me. So say that, you know, one of our lovely audience members, are they just landed in a new country and they're like, I'm ready to date. What, sh what should they do? What are the steps? Like, like, tell me, do you think that the profile, the words of the profile are more important than the pictures of the profile? Do you think it depends on where you are? Do you think you maybe have to change your style depending on where you land? Like, give me your thoughts. I think you what do. do? Think? Okay. Yeah. Well, the bigger, the biggest thing I've noticed outside of the U.S. versus in the U.S. is in the U.S. If I see a profile that doesn't have any words, to me it means no effort, swipe left. You know, like I want to see some kind of description of who you are, you know, what you're interested in, something, especially and no complaining. I don't like that either. Where it's all like, if we connect, you should, you know, you need to message me back. And then I'm like, oh. I don't want anyone jaded by life, you know, right. <laughs> we've all had our, you know, rough experiences, but if you were that jaded by life, I'm swiping left. 
Um, But I have noticed that globally I had to eliminate, I can't just say, okay, if they don't have any words, I'll I'll swipe left because there are far more outside of the U S that just don't put anything or just may have one line or, or something. So I do try to go on. Yeah. The, the, you know, photos get a good idea. And then, you know, what's the communication like, because can we communicate in the common language of English enough, you know, enough, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I try to be global and, and learn somewhat of the language when I'm there, but it's not going to be the same, but can we communicate enough, you know, to establish something? But yeah, I had to eliminate the, the whole, if you don't have any words, you know, I'm going to swipe left because you'd be eliminating probably two thirds of the (laughs) profile sometimes. Wow. Yeah. I, for me, I don't swipe on anyone who like if their first profile picture has sunglasses, I usually won't swipe on it (laughs) because, or if they have pictures of like animals, cats, you know, dogs, or like they have no picture of them, then I won't, I wouldn't swipe on them either. Wait, wait, is it um, them a picture? A a picture? Yeah, a picture of them with the dog or the cat, oh, or no, just no, the cat? Like a dog, like just a right. dog. Oh, <laughs> you see, not you yeah. see a sunset and a cat, right? And a, right. a rose. Like, like I'm like, this <laughs> is what this is to be about. But I think like the way you set up your profile is also important too. What in over the years, I kind of helped women do that in the past, like set up their profiles because I think. You have to want to know who you're trying to attract. That's really important. Like, who are you trying to attract? And so I think you understanding how to set up your profile is just as important as understanding the types of profiles that you're going to eliminate. Because I agree with you, Claire. Once you know, know like what you're going to eliminate, then that makes the process a little easier when you're swiping like, nope, nope, nope. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll swipe on him. And I've gotten really, I think over the years, I've gotten really good at trusting my intuition. Like when I really see a guy's, you know, when I would see a guy's profile and I would just like, "Eh," you know, I really don't get a good feeling. And just going with that gut, like I would learn to just go with my gut feeling, like not even second guess it. If there was something about it, I was like, nope, I won't. Because I think at the end of the day, we have to learn how to trust ourselves. And I think when you're dating abroad, you're getting as a, you know, as a foreign woman and as a, you know, a black woman, you're going to get so many more dates than you've probably ever had in your entire life. So it's important to, to, to kind of build up your intuition so that when the right man comes along, you know it and you can trust, you can trust that. But like I said, setting up your, you're setting up your profile to making sure you have the right pictures up there, that you're not being like too sexually suggestive in your pictures that, you know, you're, you know, Men don't like to read a whole bi- like biography. Like they're not going to read. Men at the end of the day, they want to look at your profile and they want. They're thinking, okay, do I find her attractive? Do, if if they're looking for something serious, they're going to be looking for pictures that indicate that you know you're well rounded, you're attractive, that you have a touch of sex appeal, but you're not overtly sexy. Like they're looking for those types of things. And, you know, I've over the years talked to men about those things and gotten very candid answers when they're, you know, when they're looking for something serious versus when they're not. So those are some of the suggestions that I have for women out there. That's amazing. Y'all need to hit up Candace. I don't know if you still offer that service, but that sounds like an amazing service. (laughs) 
I have not done it in a long time. <laughs> well, you might want to reconsider maybe yeah. a course or something. Right. You can definitely jump in my, my DMs on Instagram and I will help you out. <laughs> definitely. Because, you know, Dating Abroad Part 1, Dating Abroad Part 2 of the podcast are two of the most popular episodes of the podcast, which is wild. I'm like, there's some really good, you know, episodes with all these wonderful ladies. And look, I get it. It's it's very fascinating and very interesting. So if y'all looking, if you guys haven't listened to those episodes, check those episodes out. They're linked in the description of this video. And thank you both so much for taking the time to chat with me. Any final thoughts, advice, or anything that you want to share with the audience? I would just say definitely if you're traveling abroad, take a chance, go to the coffee dates, you know, learn about, it's just an excellent way. In addition to anything else you're doing, touring on your own, it's a nice addition to learning a country, learning the people and learning more about what you want in life. Yeah, I agree. I think that traveling for dating is definitely an option that should be on the list of every black woman who is finding it frustrating (laughs) dating back home. And also not to be ashamed of prioritizing your love and your social life, because I think so many of us prioritize our careers and our education and so many other aspects of our lives. And sometimes that gets put on the back burner or we're culturally taught to be ashamed of prioritizing the importance of love or being so self-sufficient that we can supply 100% of our emotional needs. And the truth is, is that we're not because we were created to be interdependent. So if you're just feeling like your social life and your romantic life is just lackluster, then just travel and, you know, get those dating apps up there. And you just never know who you might find because you might just find the love of your life. (laughs) Yes. Claire, where can everyone find you on the internet so they can follow you and check out some of those drone shots and all those other cool things that you do? I'm, I'm on Instagram at Daisy Among Roses. Awesome. And Candace, where can everyone find you to get some of that lovely, lovely dating advice? But also, you know, I've been checking out your Instagram. You did some reels about buying real estate abroad, which I, I've, I'm fascinated. That's my thing right now. So where can people find you? Yes, you can find me at fearless underscore freedom underscore lifestyle on Instagram. And yes, I am into the property as well. That's what I primarily do. But if anyone needs help with their dating profile, you can DM me for that too. (laughs) All right. Thank you again, ladies. And thank all of you for tuning in. If you caught it live, thank you so much for taking the time. If you're catching it on replay, still drop a comment and and chat with me and, and let me know what you thought. And remember, it's not about moving abroad. And it's definitely not about just being abroad. It's about thriving abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. All right, everyone. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. 
So as you have probably noticed, this is the end of season four. We're doing a lot of compilations, some throwbacks and things like that. I hope you're enjoying that as I take a little bit of a rest and as I prepare to bring you all brand new interviews by phenomenal, exceptional, incredible black women for season five. Season five will kick off in September and I'm super excited to bring that to you all. But also, please remember that this is a solo indie podcast, which means that I am not a part of a network. And I am the producer, creator, host, editor, and everything of this podcast. So please be sure to support this podcast like y'all support Hulu, Disney Plus, and Netflix, and all those other things, because your support really makes an incredible difference in the production of this here podcast, because y'all know Flourish in the Foreign is a labor of love, but labor nonetheless. So please be sure to support the podcast. You can do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash Flourish Foreign and buying me a coffee or purchasing some podcast equipment or software that actually helps make this podcast run. I'd appreciate that. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Flourish on Foreign YouTube channel, Flourish on the Foreign, simple enough. Make sure you're following the podcast on Facebook and on Instagram at Flourish Foreign. And of course, check out all of the resources on the website, flourishintheforeign.com. We have new blog posts, we have show notes, and we have resources to help you move, live, and thrive abroad. That is how you can support this here podcast. And of course, be sure to write a review if you have not and share the podcast with all of your friends, all of your family members, and the colleagues that you like. We'll keep it to the ones that you like today, but really you should share with everyone. And as always, Big thanks to Zachary Higgs, who produced the music of this here podcast. Remember, it's not about moving abroad. It's not about being abroad. It's about flourishing abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. See you next time. <laughs>